It's time for the Little Agency That Roars podcast, a podcast that connects you with talented and brilliant people. And that's all of us. We are available wherever you stream your podcast, so go ahead and find us and subscribe. I'm your host, Michael Fasoni, and let's get started. <laughs> He's not in position. Sorry, I really wasn't. I was just getting my notes. All right, you guys ready? <laughs> yeah. All right. I am sitting down here with Matt Schulte, Senior Manager of Client Services at the Kansas City Royals. Yes. Good morning, Michael. How are you? I'm doing great. How good. are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, good to be here. First, tell me what it means to be Senior Manager of Client Services for the Kansas City Royals. <laughs> well, it's uh, every day is a different day, that's for sure. So I'm in the Corporate Sponsorship Department. So we take care of kind of our current partners uh, that we work with. So there's about, you know, I'd say 75 uh, corporate partners with the Royals. Some are, you know, big corporations. Others are mom and pop operations. And so it, it's the whole gamut. And uh, I'm on the more hospitality services solutions side of things. So I don't necessarily go out and get new business. I'm more taking care of our current partners. Um you know, making sure everything gets fulfilled within their contract. So, you know, uh, once a partner becomes on board, uh, the sales team works with them, they, you know, sign a contract, and then they bring it on to me, and I activate and fulfill that contract. So making sure that they have the necessary signage, uh, social media, hospitality, season tickets, um, doing community service, working with our charities group, tabling on the concourse. Each sponsor kind of has, you know, uh, depending on their spend, different assets within their contract. So I'm working with them to making sure that, you know, they're they're satisfied with everything that they're getting a return on their investment. And then once that contract is up, I then make sure to try to renew that business as well. So hopefully, you know, they've had a good three, four year run with us. They, you know, enjoy being a partner of the Royals and and want to come back and continue that relationship. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Is that fly going to bother you? No, it's all right. There's a fly in this room. And, uh, Matt, we don't... I mean, I'll follow it around. We uh, don't pro- edit this podcast. <laughs> okay. And so uh, I'm kind of anti-editing when yeah. it comes to the pod, at least. So... We've kind of named the fly Jeff Goldberg. <laughs> Goldblum. <laughs> what I am going to do is, um, in case... I was going to get a magazine or something. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Shiny objects, shiny objects. So. You hear some loud slaps during the Right, games. right. It's me trying to kill a fly. Nothing else is going on in here. Like <laughs> too far away. Sorry, it's the fly. At least this isn't a TV broadcast where you don't see my it's gold head blue. going around. So you're really um, fulfilling the contract that the mm-hmm. salespeople go ahead and sell. So if Sony and Partners buys a suite, mm-hmm. it's your job to make sure that uh, I'm getting my name exposure and I'm getting all the snacks I want and I have the guest passes, et cetera. Yeah, so it's a little bit like that. So most of our partners, you know, they're doing a lot more than suites. So we have a whole ticket sales department, and they handle group tickets, season tickets for fans, companies. Um, so I'm more working on, you know, so if Fasoni just wanted to come out and have a suite, they would probably work with our group sales department and have that suite. So I'm working, uh, if you want to sign a contract with us and not only do a suite, but do signage, do... Um, 
some social media, then do some radio spots, then I would be kind of more your person. So, but yes, if one of our, one of our partners like a Pepsi wants to have a sweet night, I'm making, getting all the logistics done on that. So making sure they have their tickets, their parking, their food and beverage is covered. I'll then go that night and talk to them, making sure that they're doing okay, that they're um, having an enjoyable experience, get to know them, that sort of thing. So it's a combination of kind of doing logistics and then also hospitality of kind of talking to people, networking, getting to know them sort of thing. Okay. Okay. So that's what you currently do. Mm -hmm. But looking at your history, you have a history of baseball. Yeah. So take me from college to your first gig in, what is it? Uh, Your first um, intern internship at the brigade. Oh yeah. Yeah. Going way back. Yeah. So that, um, so I grew up in Kansas city and then or we can do office aid at the Kansas city sports commission. Yeah. That's even going back maybe even more. Yeah. So, uh, grew up in Kansas city and at a high school, I knew I wanted to go into sports in some way. So I was not that good of an athlete and my parents always preached to me, you know, follow your passion. So when I learned that there's a business side of sports, I thought that was a perfect fit for me. So I was starting to look at schools that had a sports management degree and uh, found NYU up in New York. Um, You know, as a high school senior, I fell in love with going to New York City as a college student. And NYU has a decent sports management program because you're based in New York. So the experiences, the internships, the professors, all that kind of seemed the right fit for me, plus the fact of living in New York. So went to NYU, studied sports management, but I was kind of a lucky person, so to speak, where first day of freshman year, I knew what I wanted to do with my life, and that was work on the, the business side of sports. So I was able to kind of set myself up and, and get goals and internships on that. So one was with the brigade. That was an arena football team in Kansas City. Um and so that was that that team has now been defunct, but that was a good experience. Very small staff, so very hands-on experience of just kind of doing anything and everything. Um, I also was an office aide at the Sports Commission. That was a really a good experience. One to learn what a Sports Commission is. There's a lot of people that maybe don't know the Sports Commission or heard of it. Um, so to get that experience and then again, working with a small staff and, and now I find myself, you know, 15 years later, still kind of working with the sports commission. So it's kind of nice for me to be able to go back and say, Hey, I had that experience, uh, at one point. Um, and then I was able to get several internships, um, in New York city while I was there. So at, at some point I kind of pursued sports media as an option. So I had several media internships, both inside and outside of sports. I was at uh, SNY, which does the New York uh, Mets broadcast. Um, So that's their main channel in New York uh, to watch the New York Mets. They also have other sports programming as well. And then um, CNBC was an internship outside of sports, but again, a chance to work in television. I worked at their news desk and found that really interesting and engaging and then I worked at a, a sports agency as well. And, um, oh, and then also MLB Network. So that was my chance to really combine my interest in TV with baseball, which was my favorite sport. So um, after MLB Network, I was able to uh, graduate, get a job um, at the Royals within the ticket sales department. So I've been at the Royals for 12 years, uh, started out in the ticket sales department, which was kind of an entry-level job, a good way to... Um, talk to to um, 
sell single tickets and group tickets. So it's a good way to learn how to sell because I feel like no matter what you're doing, you're selling something, even in sponsorship I'm selling. I worked at marketing for a little bit. I was selling. Um, there's just different type of sales. So it was good to get a base of sales, learn that process, and then kind of realized that wasn't the right fit for me. So about a year and a half after doing sales of so selling single tickets, group tickets to anyone that wanted to buy, um, churches, schools, individuals, businesses. I, I think I recall trying to create a, a dentist night at the K. So I would call dentist offices <laughs> and try to get them to come out. You just kind of make up nights, so to speak, and say, hey, come on out, bring a group out. So, um, you know, did that. And then there was a position that opened up within the marketing department. And that was kind of more of a better fit for me, uh, being a little bit more creative, more involved in the process. So I moved over to the marketing side at the Royals and was there for eight years um, in two different roles handling anything from kids club, giveaway items, theme ticket items, special events at the ballpark, um, and advertising as well. So really a whole mixture of, of different marketing elements. And then about two years ago, I moved over to the corporate sponsorship department. So um, 12 years at the Royals, three different departments, and four different jobs. So been able to kind of move up and move around and stay relevant and kind of get to know the different departments at the Royals, which has been helpful. So yeah, thankfully I've been able to, one, I, I grew up a big Royals fan. So to work for my hometown team has been pretty awesome. Really have enjoyed that experience and, and be able to, to work in sports too every day is, is something I love and passionate about. So that's really helpful for me to just, um, you know, go to a job every day that I, I love and enjoy doing. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> Matt, it sounds like you maybe came back to Kansas City after college and then went back to New York for that first internship. No, no. So okay. I um, I was in college there for four years, and then um, I kind of went back and forth. I mean, I had internships in Kansas City in the summer. I would come back in the summers. Okay. Um, some of those internships were like even before I went to college. But after college, I graduated from NYU. Um, I then had an internship at MLB Network post-graduation. So I often tell students, you know, hey, still seek out internships after you graduate. I know you want to look for that full-time job, but if your internship is in the industry you want to get into, it's paid, still go after it. It can still be a good experience for you post-graduation. So I had an internship after I graduated at MLB Network. That was a way for me to stay in the industry, get more experience. And during that time there, I was able to apply for a job at the Royals, get a job, and move back to Kansas City. So I, I did want to stay in New York. I enjoy New York a lot. Um, but if not New York, going back home to KC to work for my hometown team was kind of the next best option. So um, it was great to come back to KC. But um, So I spent most of my life in KC, but a lot of those internships and experience were up, were up in New York. I'd love to hear about the CNBC internship. Yeah, um, really fascinating. So that was... Um, I think 2009, I believe. 2000, yes. Yeah, 2009. So uh, the financial downturn was, was uh, going on at that time. So really kind of an interesting experience. So I was at their news desk, which is where all the kind of breaking news comes in. You know, funny enough, I didn't really know much about um, financial um, aspects or money or anything. I mean, I know a little bit about it, but um, it was really a chance for me to, to learn the business side of TV I would occasionally go on um, on live hits with some um, producers and 
broadcasters. What were you specifically doing there? Um, so a combination of uh, putting together uh, B-roll for um Are you editing? Segments. I was editing. Or yeah. you shot and edit? No, just Just edit. edit. Yeah, I, I didn't shoot at all. I did editing. I did graphics. I uh, monitored social media. Um you know, being a, an assistant producer on some other shows. It was kind of a combination of things. Um, but really kind of fascinating, interesting, to, and, and a lot of good people, too. So their um, studio is in New Jersey. Their main headquarters is in New Jersey. But then they have also a, um, a place at the New York Stock Exchange and, and other studios as well. So I kind of was able to move around, um, do different experiences, and kind of get to know the financial world. But that's definitely a well-run uh, television station. Is that how you got f- to into the programming scheduling gig at Sportsnet? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah certainly. I, I find it kind of interesting um, to figure out what to put on TV when and kind of that puzzle piece of um, a TV schedule. So um, at MLB Network, they were um, working on uh, at that point, that network uh, was two years old at that time. So it was a beginning network, and they were kind of figuring themselves out. So it was trying to figure out television ratings, uh, when live games were, that sort of thing. So it was really a puzzle piece of understanding why certain things are or when on the broadcast schedule. So um, did did that in program and scheduling there. So I, I kind of have been all behind the scenes on the television side, more production, uh, TV truck, um, and, and more business of television than, say, front of the camera. That's really valuable, though. Mm-hmm. It's extremely yeah. valuable. Yeah, it's good to get that. And even, I mean, in marketing, I mean, some of the lingo I know and understand, which is helpful. So um, certainly able to, uh, you know, understanding the television side when it drives a lot of our business um, is certainly helpful to understand, um, you know, what they're going through. How do you leave New York when you have two really good internships? You're right where you need to be in terms of industry, right where you want to be. Yeah. You're in one of the biggest, best cities in the, our nation. Why do you leave and come back here? Because it's home? It's home and it's the dream job. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, at least the dream company to work for. Okay, so, so if the Yankees were like, hey, we have a spot, and you're already here. I would here. choose the Royals over the Yankees. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, and okay. that's just mainly because I'm from KC. I'm a, I'm a Royals homeboy, so to speak. So, I mean, my family had season tickets growing up. I went to a lot of games as a kid, um, and, and the Royals were always, you know, the big get, so to speak. And so certainly feel very fortunate that that came right out of college. You know, I thought that would be later on in life but working at the Royals was the number one goal and the dream and so to be able to do that right out of college and come back to KC um, was the right fit for me for sure realistically though you worked your way up yeah so it's not like you came in where you are now right like you said you know yeah five minutes ago yeah you came in entry level and yeah you've been there for 12 years does that make you one of the senior people on your team um it does um which is nice to have that experience um i've seen some highs and lows i was there um we had the all-star game there in 2012 um and then the world series back-to-back world series 2014 2015 and then winning it all um, so those are certainly the highs. I've seen some lows as well. We've gone through some tough seasons. So been able to see the gamut. I certainly, you know, count experience as one of my, you know, bonuses of, of working there is having that history. Um, but then you also have to make sure you don't fall in the rut of 
keep doing the same thing you do year in and year out. So, you know, I often ask myself, all right, what did we do last year? Let's just repeat that. And I have to get out of that mindset of coming up with fresh, new, different things, improving. Um, so that's key, I think, in any job is and not just kind of repeating over and over in that cycle. So that's something, you know, after being there for 12 years, it's easy to fall into that easy spot of just kind of repeating the, the same thing you did last season. So that's a key thing for me. But um, yeah, thankfully, I'm able to bring that experience. But then we also have some people at the Royals that are from outside and bring in some new, fresh perspectives. And so that's also key is, is to get some outside thought and, and keep learning on how to improve things. Tell me two things you've done this last season um, to mix it up that you were proud of. Yeah, so we're working on uh, with Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Kansas City um, a Shut Out the Stigma initiative on mental and behavioral health. Um, so we're in year two of that program, uh, really trying to bring to light uh, mental health um, within Kansas City. It's kind of been more prominent in the, in the sports field these days with athletes kind of speaking out. So um, this year was more brand play for us and awareness. So created a website, um, did some branding. We created a TV commercial, a radio spot, um, did some home plate signage. And then next year, we're really excited kind of creating, kind of again, freshening things up and building upon it. And we're going to try to focus on youth sports and really, you know, how kids are struggling right now with the combination of their parents, their coaches, the stress of youth sports, um, and, and really focusing on, you know, kids' place in that and their mental health on that um, with the pressure of sports. So that's kind of the next iteration of Shut Out the Stigma. And, you know, we'll continue to support local organizations financially um, with resources to kind of bring this more to light. Nice. Mm-hmm. So you're in your dream job and you've been there for 12 years. Yeah. What do you do to keep it fresh? <laughs> well, the beauty of baseball is each year is a different season. Um, I kind of compare it to being a teacher in a way of, you know, the, the, the classroom and, and the new set of students each year. So that really freshens it up. Each season is its own character. It's got its own schedule, its own set of players. We have a new marketing slogan usually every year. And, and then you just don't know what's going to happen within the season. I mean, we've had, you know, random things that come up or things that go viral socially or, or struggles with the team or, you know, walk-off wins or, you know. So it's each year really brings its own character and environment, and that's a way to kind of refresh. So in the, in the winter, in the off-season, it's kind of, you know, planning and execute, planning and figuring things out. And then once you get in-season, it's ex- executing at that point. But that's really helpful to just kind of change it up each year. It's just kind of that, that cycle of, of some downtime in the winter, rev things up in the spring and the summer, and then see where it goes, where the fan base takes it, where our players take it, where the brand goes with our direction, um, how they do with wins and losses. So that's, that's key for me and just kind of rejuvenating myself each year. So Matt, what do you do in a year like this? How does a season like the Royals had this year, which what was our record? Their record? You know, I don't even know. <laughs> well, I think we place, lost, I think. you know, I, I try not to pay attention to that. I think we lost 97 games, 98 games, close to that. So um, certainly we not where we wanted to be this year. So but. in other words, being in the pretty much last, yeah. how does that affect 
the internal, the office part of the Royals, or does it? Yes. Yeah, I so mean, is that kind of felt throughout the whole organization? It is. I mean, we want to win baseball games without a doubt, and so do our fans. But we, we also, on the business side, we see us as more of an entertainment property. So we um, can't, on the business side, can't necessarily control the wins and losses. For us, our competition is anything else that you can do on a Friday night. It is uh, staying home and watching Netflix. It's going to a concert, going to a bar, going to another sporting event, um, traveling. So for us, that's what our competition is, is anything else you can do on a weekend. So we try to bring value to our fans. Um, Come on out, enjoy a game. There's a ticket deal. There's fireworks. There's a giveaway item. Um, you know, so we sell the experience of being at the ballpark. That's the key for us is we can't necessarily sell wins and losses. So we excel, we sell the fun aspects of coming to the ballpark, the social elements, um, the camaraderie, the visuals, the sights, the sounds. And so that is what's key for us on the marketing and, and even on the business side, when talking to our partners, um, sure. I mean, it helps when we all win, right. And that's positive, but um, you know, they're caring about getting their message out to our fan base. So that's the key for us is, um, you know, focusing on the entertainment aspects. And, and thankfully, we have a great ballpark that we can go to um, and, and a really good customer service experience. We try to um, really be proud on that element as well. So we really try to create a holistic experience for people to come out. Nice. When we have a, a somewhat of a down season, do your... Um does your budget get cut throughout that season? Uh, no, not necessarily. The budget's usually pretty set for the year. Um, you know, in, in any business, you have to be smart and savvy about it. Um, you know, try to save money where you can and, and, and grow revenue where you can. So we're certainly cognizant of that. But in general, no, it's um, we try to stay, you know, within our realm. And, you know, also with the mindset of you got to spend money to, to make money, too. And so being able to take risks and, and do a little bit more and provide the resources for us to then hopefully exponentially benefit us down the long run. And you've seen the Royals through, help me out, two ownerships? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had the Glass family. Um, and then about two, three years ago, uh, Mr. Sherman came in and, and bought the team. So, yes, we're under new ownership. Um, and certainly that was a transition, but I, I, overall a positive one. Um, it's been great. To, to have someone else come in and, you know, he's from Kansas City, has a huge philanthropic mindset. Um, he's having us think about things differently. Um, so it's it's been a rejuvenation for us, for sure. Um, uh, the Glass family was terrific. They were awesome to work for. They brought us the world championship. Um, but, you know, he decided it was his time to, to sell the team. And thankfully, he decided and handpicked someone locally in Kansas City to, to uh, make sure their stewardship and, and take care of the team. And, and Mr. Sherman has, has done that. He's been very hands-on um, while also taking an approach of not having any knee-jerk reaction, of kind of getting to know the organization, both on the business side and baseball side, and, and then kind of figuring out where he wants to take it from there. So um, overall, it's been positive. There have been a lot of changes at the Royals, but um, I think, you know, sometimes organizations need to go through that kind of refresh, uh, reinvent themselves to, to kind of continue on. Absolutely. Did the new ownership, uh, 
did that provide you with an opportunity to once again move move up in the organization? Um, so I shifted. Um, so that's kind of where I went from marketing to corporate sponsorship. Okay. Um, so it was more of a lateral move, um, but they had kind of decided to restructure the marketing department. Um, and so at that point, they thought, you know, a good fit for me, and I agreed with this, was to go into the corporate sponsorship just um, with some of my networking abilities, hospitality abilities, my knowledge of the organization. So that's where I moved from marketing to sponsorship is uh, when we had new ownership. Okay. Okay. Do you like the new ownership? Like you're going to say no right now. <laughs> right. No, yeah. No, that's again, they've question. been great. And, and they <laughs> they care for us and provide us with the resources that we need, which is helpful. So, <laughs> um, What do you do in the off season? Yeah, so we're in planning right now. So, you know, it, I do get my nights back, my weekends back. I do work. Let's start there. How yeah. does your schedule change season on, season off? Yeah, so I joke with my friends, you know, if you want to know my schedule, just look at the Royals schedule and you'll know when I'm working and when I'm not. So I work most of the home games. Um, I A lot of my work is pregame. So I usually will come in around 10 o'clock that day. So I'll come in a little bit later, which is nice, but then I'll work later. So I'll work usually through the second inning, third inning, which ends up being around 8 o'clock at night. Um, and then thankfully I don't work the whole game, but uh, usually... You know, the first part of the day is, is office stuff, meetings, emails, and then from about 3 o'clock on, it's more out and about in the ballpark, interacting with people, talking to people, getting people in that need to get in early, uh, meeting people for batting practice or getting a suite set up, and then it becomes uh, more interactive. So it's a good combination on a game day of being at a desk and then also being out and about in the ballpark, walking around, talking to people. Um, that so sounds like a 15, 18-hour day. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the summers are a grind, um, and then you're doing con- doing them consecutively. If we have a homestand that is ten games long, you're doing that for ten straight days. Um, so it's a lot. For do you sure. travel? I do not. I don't travel with the team. So when the team is on the road, I still go into the stadium, but it becomes more of a nine to five job, more desk job preparing for the next time that they come home. Is there a person at the Royals whose job, who has a similar position to you, but they're in charge of the away game faint customer fans? Uh, there is not. That's a good question. Um, we, cert- we certainly don't necessarily take care of those sort of fans. So, Is know, that up to the home team stadium? Yeah. To say, hey, Mr. Fasoni is going to be in Sweet C, and he, you know, he, likes, he likes pretzels. Yeah. He needs pretzels. Yeah, certainly we'll talk. And LaCroix. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and we'll certainly talk to the other teams about that. And what we also do is we'll take our partners on away trips. So there are a couple times a year where I do travel with the team, and we'll take, you know, 10 of our partners to go. Like this year, we went to the Boston Red Sox games. So we took a couple partners up to Boston. We stayed at the team hotel. We went out to dinners. We did some sightseeing. And then we went to the games as That's well. That's a platinum level type of deal, though, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a VIP sort of experience mm-hmm. for sure. And so we do that. We do that at spring training. So there are a few times a year where I do travel. But for the most time, our partners just want to be in Kansas City at our games um, where they get the most hospitality. So certainly if if you were to go to an away game, they would take care of you. We would hook them up. But I don't need to go travel and do that. So um, our focus is um, Kauffman Stadium in, in Kansas City. So... Um, 
you know, but thankfully we have a whole team within the sponsorship department. We all kind of rotate and take responsibilities, but, um, you know, working in sports is working nights and weekends. Uh, you know, that's the aspects of working in sports. If we have a game on 4th of July, then I'm working on 4th of July sort of thing. So, um, but then it kind of evens out. So, um, you know, there's still chances in the winter to take some time off to kind of rejuvenate, um, figure things out. So it's not like I take a month off or anything, but, you know, I, I take days off here and there. So it's certainly a, a chance to recharge. But yeah, the summers are busy. There's a lot of uh, times working at the ballpark, but I get to work at the ballpark every day. So um, it's a great place to work, be outside, um, walk around. So that kind of helps is being long hours at a cool venue um, certainly makes things better. But uh, yeah, the summers are a little rough, but then the winters, um, you know, chance to kind of, um, you know, calm down, take some time off and, and rejuvenate and plan. So then once we're in season, it's kind of execution at that point. So are you nine to five? Are you uh-huh. two days a week? Is it a flex schedule? Yeah, a flex schedule. We're a hybrid okay. model, which okay. is great. So we have some days where we're in the office, other days we're working from home. Okay. Um, the pandemic kind of brought that out. Um, a lot of businesses are doing that now. So we're a combination of the two. And, uh, but, you know, in the summers, we need to be at the ballpark, really. Um, that's where our fans are. That's where our customers are. So it's key for us to be physically there in the summers. Makes sense. So I want to ask you this question. We have a, um, I think we have a, a, a funky stadium location. <laughs> yeah. There isn't much around our stadiums. Mm-hmm. I remember once I was at, uh, uh, I think it was the Intercontinental at the time, and uh, some people were in town for a Chiefs game. They were from, in from New York. And they asked, where do we go around the stadiums for good food? And I was like, well, <laughs> you're, 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 you're there. There's a and we were on the Bell plaza. The yeah, street. we were on the yeah. plaza. He goes, this is, you know, 14 miles away or yeah. whatever it is. I yeah. said, well, this is, is that, is that an, a challenge, having a property that's kind of, I don't know how to say it. It's not really convenient. Yeah, I. It's convenient. It's okay. convenient. There are two highways that are right there. Right. right? It's not inconvenient. Right. Inconvenient. Right. Um, and and there's a lot of parking that's available there. Correct. So, but you're right. There's no development around it um, uh, of bars, restaurants. I mean, there's a hotel across the street. But um, yeah, it is. I mean, people they will drive to the stadium, go to the game, and then drive home. You know, and so Chiefs games are obviously different. There's a lot of tailgating involved. I'm not as much on the the Royals side of it. We'll see it more on the weekends for Royals games than anything. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the good for us is we we try to focus on the in-game experience for us. So doing food and beverage specials pregame, trying to get people to come to the ballpark and have their beer and their hot dog and their pretzels and do all that in the stadium. Rather than, you know, go to the outside bars and whatnot. But you're right, it's it's a different experience. But um, we try to utilize the parking and the tailgating and do stuff out in the parking lot rather than, you know, if we're, you know, at a place that has a lot of stuff around it. And, and that's great once you're yeah. in a stadium. Right. But I have to sleep somewhere and eat somewhere. Is it a knock against the, the property that yeah. I have to literally stay 10 to 20 minutes away from the stadium if I'm in from out of town to see a game. Yeah, yeah, and there's not very good public transportation uh, to get there either, so that makes it a little bit difficult sometimes too. 
So, uh, yeah, it is. It's certainly a challenge, and we hear it from our fans sometimes, especially people coming from out of town. Oh, you do? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Of just, um, you know, the amenities around the ballpark and where do I stay and how do I get there and um, more from the out-of-town fans than the in-town fans. But, um, yeah, it is kind of weird that, that nothing is developed around it. So uh, we try to control, you know, our facets and try to have a good experience for people when they come. Um with them knowing that, you know, they'll most likely just leave when they, when they go. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, can we go back a little bit and talk about the sports commission? You said there was, a, you learned a lot at the sport from the sports commission while mm-hmm. during your time there that you wish people knew. Mm-hmm. Um, can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah. So they're, you know, in charge of bringing, um, sports events to Kansas City. Um, a lot of times you think that, you know, might be someone else that's helping do that, that the, the Big 12 basketball tournament just kind of comes in and decides it wants to be in Kansas City. But, you know, the Sports Commission is key in, in, in bidding for that, for running the operation, uh, providing the support system for that. Uh, they've had the figure skating championships here, the uh, uh, gymnastics championships here, uh, regionals and basketball here, um, you know, um, amongst other events. They're in charge of, of bidding and running those events along with the NCAA. So, you know, just to learn about their organization, uh, what they do in terms of tourism, sports in Kansas City. And then they also run and operate their own events. So they have the Kansas City Marathon. They have a um, triathlon event. They have the win for KC, which is a women's initiative in sports um, so they do a lot, certainly for this region in terms of bringing sports events in, helping tourism, promoting our city as, uh, as a sports city and, and running and operating. So, uh, they helped with the world cup bid and bringing the world cup in, same with the NFL draft that's coming up, bidding for that, um, helping run that operation. So, um, certainly, you know, before that, and, you know, I'd never heard of the sports commission, really understood what they did. And so they do a lot, both on the nonprofit side and, and the tourism side, uh, to help sports in Kansas City. And so we partner with them often, um, and they have partnerships with with all the you know the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting. Um, but we're in constant communication with uh, their leadership team in terms of um, how we can help and provide and support uh, their initiatives. Nice. Mm-hmm. And now you and I met through the Greater Kansas City Attractions Association. Uh, yeah, group organization. Organization. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and obviously, you're a part of that, so that mm-hmm. you can. I'll let you explain, but kind of what GKC. Yeah, so the Greater Kansas City Attractions Association uh, has been around for 25 plus years, and it's a group of what it says it is attractions in this area. So it's um, you know the sports teams are involved. It's Worlds of Fun, the mm-hmm. Kansas City Zoo, Union Station, uh, Nelson Atkins Museum, World War One Museum, um, anything from you know pumpkin patches, uh, shopping districts, restaurants, uh, marketing agencies. It's kind of a, a mixture, hodgepodge of attractions, sporting uh, teams, uh, shopping areas, destinations in Kansas City. So. Uh, there's about 75 members, and we are mainly B2B focused, and really, uh, in terms of collaboration, 
Um, so it's awesome and unique that even though we somewhat compete uh, f uh, with each other in terms of people going to certain attractions, this gives us the chance to come together, collaborate, get to know each other, share ideas, learn, um, provide advocacy for tourism. And so, you know, a lot of my friends have come from this group. Uh, the networking is the key. So it's, it's nice for me to be able to get to know the marketing people at the zoo and the marketing people at Nelson Atkins mm. and at, um, you know, Worlds of Fun. And so just to, to get to know that group and understand them um, has been really beneficial. And so that group continues to grow. We do uh, programming events. We help with, uh, Fasoni helps with uh, marketing and advertising with this group. We do out-of-market promotions. So we try to hit, um, you know, people in Wichita and Omaha and Tulsa uh, with radio promotions and attracting them to come to Kansas City and enjoy a weekend here. So uh, certainly a good group to kind of network and get to know uh, and be a part of. How long have you been a member? I've been, uh, so I've been on the board for 10 years. Um, and the Jeez. Royals have been a member really since the existence, but been on the board for 10 years, and I now serve as the board president. Um, so have some good history with that group. You jumped on as soon. I did. You jumped on early. On in uh, yeah, career. well, year two at the Royals or three. So when I moved over to the marketing department at the Royals um, is when I became a member of the board. And so I was on the board for seven years or so, eight years, and then, you know, um, have been uh, treasurer, vice president, and now uh, president of the board. So... Uh, here's a question I was going to save till the end, but I'm going to, uh, towards the end at least, but I'm going to jump it. What's your dream job after this if you have your dream job? That's a is good... Is it just moving, keep moving up in the Royals yeah. until you're yeah, part sure. owner? Or? <laughs> That's right. I'll be the owner of the team someday. So, um, you know, I'm certainly happy where I'm at right now. So I think, at least I know for me, is I'm in the right industry. Um, I made the right decisions, at least. Um, so I will continue on to work on the business side of sports if uh, people allow me to do so. So I want to pursue that, whether that be at the Royals or in another sport or another city. I think I want to find to continue to work on the business side of sports, whether that be marketing, sponsorship, ticket sales, community relations, television. Um, you know, we'll see where my career goes. A, a lot of times you have a windy path. Um, so who knows where I'll be in five to ten years. But um, I certainly know... You know, I, I want to keep following my passion and, and be there um, within sports and evolved in sports and just continue to grow and evolve and, and, and go up. That makes me think of another question. I promise this might be the last question on our, our current negative season. <laughs> but does a bad season like this, do, you, do people start um, sprucing up resumes? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, I mean, it's tough on us, right, um, losing games, but I'll go back to, you know, we are an entertainment property and we can't control the wins and losses. Sure. So we try to get past that and try to bring another experience. Um, but certainly, I mean, winning is fun for everybody. The, the joke around baseball is that, you know, the hot dogs taste better when you win, um, you know, uh, just, you know, every, every, it's all, you know, rainbows and sunshine when you win. Right. And so There's it's no tough. traffic on the way home. Right. When you win. Right. Exactly. Um, so everything is better. You know, you ignore all the bad stuff. And, and when you start losing all that, you know, stuff comes to the to the forefront. So, um you know, you try to not get involved in the day-to-day. -day. You try to focus on the business side. That's another kind of key thing for me. 
when I started at the Royals is I was a fan of the Royals, but also now working on the business side. And I had to separate the two of not being a fan when I'm within the business of the Royals. So, you know, when I'm at a home game, my focus is on getting my tasks done, making sure a partner's happy. I don't necessarily pay attention to the score of the game, what the stats are. I, I do care about that. My heart's in it, but I can't um, get too much impacted by, you know, if we score, if we get a hit, that sort of thing. No, then you're ignoring your clients. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I try to not get bogged down, you know, if we won the game or lost the game. Um, I try to, again, separate the fan from the business person. So that's been helpful for me moving forward. But certainly, I mean, 2014, 2015, those postseason runs, they were a lot of fun for the city, for us inside the organization. Um, And we want to get back to that. We want to be a competitive team. We want to have meaningful baseball games. And so there's certainly a drive within the organization to get back to that. Um, And that's just a win-win and a fun environment for everybody. Have you ever done a first pitch? No, I haven't. Um, I've had several of my guests do a first pitch. Who do we need to talk to? I know. I need to throw one out myself. So Whose uh, name do I need to shout out <laughs> on here? I would be very nervous, I think, for sure. And most people are. You know, I talk to them before they go out there and, you know, I try to calm them down, try to kind of have them focus <laughs> on something else. But I always ask them if they practice, and a lot of them <laughs> do. They go home and they've practiced, which is good. There's also the option when you do a first pitch of you can go up to the the mound, the pitcher's mound, and do it, or you can go in front of the mound and make it a shorter distance. Um, Mm -hmm. So I always ask them that. Do you want to go up to the pitcher's mound, throw the whole length, or do you want to go up a little bit closer? Some have different opinions on that. Um, And then also if a lot of times there's a catcher as well. They're also stressed out of making sure they're going to catch the pitch. So Because who knows where it's going. Right. No one knows where it's going. Right. (laughs) A lot of times it's going to the left or to the right, or you bounce it. Um, so, but it's really cool. It's fun to talk to those people. I mean, for them, this is a big moment in their life, and it is. It's a cool thing. Um, so to you know provide the opportunity to people is cool. Same with national anthems. I you know I set some national anthems up as well. That's a really cool experience, and um, you know they're also a little bit nervous, which I totally get. Um, but then once they're done and get to enjoy it, I I say you know. Your job is done. You can go up in the stands, enjoy a beer. No one knows who you are anymore. So um, there's always a, a big smile on their face once they're done throwing out a first pitch or a national anthem. And so that's the the coolest part of what I do is the impact that we get to make on people, um, both from an entertainment standpoint. Uh, they get to get away from their daily lives, come out to the ballpark, hopefully enjoy a good experience. They get a bobblehead, they get a t-shirt, kids get to enjoy time with their families, their dad, their mom, whatever. Um, So making that impact is really cool. And then also the work that we do in the community is uh, really meaningful to me, both, you know, financially that we support with Royals charities and grant money, but then also our players going out, doing um, hospital visits, food banks, going to youth uh, sports teams, um, you know, so a lot of our partners are, are on board with helping on the community impact side, which is great. So um, really meaningful to me to also be involved in the community and impact the community here in Kansas City. Good. How's your uh, sports memorabilia collection? <laughs> uh, pretty decent. Um, I have some good um, Royals uh, swag uh, at my condo. I have some um, some signed baseballs. I have a... Um, 
an empty champagne bottle from the World Series celebration, some photos. Um, so it's cool. I, I enjoy kind of collecting some of that stuff. I don't get too uh, much involved in it. Um, but yeah, certainly, I mean, I joke, my, my closet is mostly blue stuff. You know, I have a lot of blue uh, <laughs> pants, shirts, ties, jackets, you know? Um, so I joke that, you know, if I do go and work for another team, it needs to be the Dodgers pretty much. Um, I certainly can't go to a team that has red in it or else I have to switch out my whole wardrobe. Um, so, uh, yeah, when you go to my place, there's a lot of Royals, um, posters, artwork, um, photos, that sort of thing. So you certainly know, you have a feel that, okay, I think this guy works for the Royals. <laughs> <laughs> or at least he's really into baseball. Or really into baseball, right. And there are, you know, a lot of our fans have, you know, caves of different memorabilia and all that. But I'm glad you said that because I want to go straight there. There's a guy to my right, Mr. Timothy English, who um, he produces this podcast. Uh, he's a super huge baseball fan. Yeah. And I probably should have giving you some heads up. I mean, I'm sure you have more questions for Matt than I might. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot more, but I mean, you are a baseball guy. I mean, between you and Julie, and at least at Fasonian Partners, when it comes to uh, that game, Tim's off my I always like to hear people's stories. Were you at the World Series Parade? I lived at... Or um, what about you, Michael? Were you at the World Series I was parade? living at 8th and Broadway. Oh, okay. During the, the parade. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if I should say this or not. <laughs> My neighbor was Gerard Dyson. Oh, no kidding. No. Seriously. Yeah. Um, Not great. (laughs) Not a great experience. Yeah. yeah. Because when they're not playing uh, baseball, um, they're playing video games Mm. until four in the morning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that makes it tough. But uh, yeah, I was, you know, I tried renting downtown for a little while and that was an interesting experience and he was my neighbor. Uh, no, I didn't make the parade. We actually got stuck in traffic getting out oh, there because yeah, you know yeah. it was such a it was such a madhouse. And I live in Merriam, and I made the mistake that day. I worked downtown at the time, and I had to go to work, so I had to go to work. You weren't working here. No, I was in uh, I was at Greg. I was at, I was in the River Market, so I had to go downtown, mm-hmm. and then I had to go home and get my kids. So. By the time that I did that within like a couple of hours, the traffic was so bad on 635, 35, we got out and we were like stuck for about an hour and then just turned around and went home so we could watch all of it. Yeah. Yeah. um, What a cool experience. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. You were, a lot of people are in that same boat where they got stuck and yeah, but it was one big happy family and a happy day in KC. That's for sure. So absolutely. It's fun to hear people's stories of, of where they were at and all that. But, Tim, you definitely watch every game, don't you? Oh, yeah. I definitely watch most games. I yeah. mean, you know, win, win or lose. You know, I mean, yeah. we, we, we go out to the stadium still. Um, we went to, you know, four or five games last year. Um, yeah, it's it's still a good time when we go out every time. And Yeah, good. You know, like I said, it, it you, you forget whether or not they won or lost. I mean, you just know the Royals, you know, are, you know most years are going to lose most games anyway. Um, but it's still fun. So, you know, my, my boys have a good time and absolutely. Yeah. No, that's the, the beauty of baseball is if you don't win that night, you, there's a game the next day. So you yeah. try again the next day and, you know, most teams, if you succeed, you know, three out of 10 times, you're doing well, at least uh, as a batter. So, um, there's a lot of failures, uh, a lot of struggles in baseball, and so it's about kind of overcoming those um, for sure. But uh, you're right, even 
you know, an average team will win only half their games. So, um, you know, even the good teams are going to lose some. So it's, you know, there, there's the everyday nature of baseball that, that's very um, poetic, I think, um, and different than most other sports. Sam, you have anything else? Um, I, I think maybe going back to uh, what Michael asked about the, uh, the stadium experience and, the, um, and what's out in Independence, um, what are your thoughts on moving downtown? Yeah, so that's certainly a point of conversation these days, uh, without a doubt. So uh, we are um, certainly exploring that option, um, kind of weighing both choices, figuring out if that's the right fit uh, for us and for Kansas City to move downtown or to stay at, at um, the Truman Sports Complex. So um, we're in the process of that, figuring that out. Um, and, you know, whichever way we go, I'm certainly fine and happy with. Uh, Kauffman Stadium is a great stadium, beautiful. Um, like we mentioned, easy to get to. There's not a lot around it, but at least it's easy to get to. Um, you go to cities that have a downtown ballpark, and they do well. Um, there's success around them. There's uh, bars, restaurants, nightlife. And so there are examples of downtown ballparks that have been successful. The cities have kind of revitalized themselves. It's good economically. Um, certainly for us, when we have a, a Tuesday a night game or a Wednesday day game to be in a more urban environment is certainly um, helpful and beneficial. So um, there are some pluses to, to being downtown as well. But um, I certainly know our, our ownership leadership um, has everything on the table right now and looking at both options and kind of deciding what's the right fit for us. And so I think they'll make the best decision with that knowledge. So uh, we're working through it. I know it's kind of a, a non-answer, so to speak, of what's my favorite, but, um, you know, certainly I think no matter what choice we go with, I'll know that they thought about it thoroughly. They weighed all their options and they'll have the best decision. And whether it's downtown or, or remain here, it'll be a great ballpark experience. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm kind I'm kind of split personally. Yeah, I do like the the convenience, but at the same time, you know, looking out across that you know field and seeing downtown right yeah. there would be yeah. it's, it's a cool visual, you know, right? It's, and it's I think neat. it's tough. I mean, if we do go downtown, we haven't yet. I mean, announced a site. We haven't showed any visuals necessarily of what the stadium would look like. So, if we do move downtown, there will be a story to tell. You know, yeah. of, of what it looks like, what the development around it is, where it's at. And so if people don't have that concept in their mind yet, it's hard to be to be sold on it and learn about it. So, I, I hope, you know, if we do decide to go that way, you know, there'll be a lot more in terms of, of the visuals of this and, and realizing a, a dream sort of thing. So it's all kind of conceptual right now for people. Sure. Matt, what's that timeline for a decision? Um, we're still working on, on what that timing would be. Um, hopefully in the next few months you'll hear something further on just the next steps, you know, of, of some developments. Um, so our lease is up, I think, 2030. Um, oh, did you get it? Did you it? get no? it? <laughs> did you get the fly? No, didn't get it. All right, he missed. Michael did warn at the beginning of this podcast, there might be a, yeah. a few swats. We'll do more. But the fly still goes around. Um, so timing is, is still flexible at this point, but hopefully soon uh, there'll be some further developments. What's your biggest challenge right now? Oh, that's a good question. I think it is 
you know, with the, the season that we had, um, we, and we've talked about it a little bit, um, even though that we, we get past that, it's, it's trying to um, create the energy and enthusiasm around the team, which I think we can get. We do have, we have a new general manager. We have a new uh, coach. We'll have a new pitching coach. So there's some new people on the baseball side that I think um, will take a different lens and look and figure out kind of the next steps for this team. We have a lot of young talent that we can kind of figure out how to uh, further develop them. So there's some momentum behind us, which is helpful. Um, so I think that'll be key for us is, is trying to create that kind of momentum energy around the club to, to get partners and, and fans to, to want to come to games, um, despite the, the, the awesome experience that it is already. Nice. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of friends that hit you up for tickets. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Um, happy to take care of them in most cases, um, you know, but uh, Royals swag or, or tickets, I'm certainly, you know, the Royals uh, person for a, a lot of communication and, and also some good, too. I mean, we've made some positive connections, um, you know, being involved in the community of uh, people coming to us and saying, hey, can the Royals help with this or that? Um, I was just at a fundraiser event last week and I provided a Royals auction package that they use to help fundraise. So we often will do that. Um, you know, whether it's uh, marketing opportunities. So uh, people do hit me up for some material things, but then there's also, you know, some chances to partner and collaborate and help the community. So it's um, kind of the yin and the yang and, and happy to help uh, wherever and, and needed, um, you know, whether they need uh, some swag or create a memorable experience for um, someone their first time. I had a friend that brought... Um, so under their first Royals game this year, and so create a memorable experience for him. So I'm I'm in the business of creating experiences for people for helping the community, and so any way I can do that is is beneficial. I had the pleasure of working with uh, through advertising Rex Hudler. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and spending uh, some downtime shooting commercials with him. We talk a lot. Um, we talk a ton, and I learned so much from him about the game during his generation, small things like they were sharing a hotel room, three and four people deep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. You know, and, and he would joke, you know, I'll tell these young guys now I paved the way for you guys. Yeah. Well, sweet. You guys get, you guys get your own bed. You right. get your own room. Right. You know, you've been at the Royals for 12 years. Tell me your changes you've seen internally, externally. Again, you know, the HUD had to share a room with two other guys. Nowadays, I'm sure you're getting your own suite. <laughs> or at least your own room, I hope. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Uh, no, certainly the economics of the de- the game have changed a lot since the former players have been here. Um, so for me, at least when I started, I mean, the team was, uh, you know, not that good. Um, and, and it was a rotating sort of situation of, of a new new players each year. So it was hard to market um, certain players when we knew they were only going to be around for a year. Um, once we started going through that wave of 2013, 2014, 2015, we had a nucleus of a team. Um, and so we were able to focus our marketing efforts on those players that we know that we're going to be here long term and also bring up their personalities. And so we were able to use them in our marketing, talk a little bit more about, you know, come see a, a quality baseball game, 
uh, bring their personalities to light a little bit. So our marketing strategy changed a little bit from when I started of selling the brand, selling the experience, the bells and whistles of coming to a game. So then when we started getting good and we had a nucleus of players, it was, you know, promoting them, the good baseball, the players that we had that we knew that were going to be there long term. Uh, now they've kind of obviously gone, but um, so now once we won the World Series, we were able to kind of market uh, the World Series championship for a few years and use that. Uh, but now we're kind of in a new, new light, new generation, new ownership, new group. And so, you know, really trying to connect to the city, I think, is key for us. Doing good within the community is key for us. So certainly, our, you know, our marketing efforts have changed uh, as the years have gone, um, depending on the team vibe, who's on the team, um, ownership, all that. So that's been interesting to see for sure. And then also, I mean, social media and digital, too. I mean, when I started at the Royals, we had one person running our social media, one person running the website. And that staff has grown by times four, times five. I mean, it's crazy to see um, the evolution and growth of, you know, creating content. Uh, we have now videographers and editors and producers and more graphic designers than we've ever had. And we're doing a lot more. We have a copywriter and social media people and, um, you know, media analysis people. And so it's We've really grown the marketing field, particularly on social media, content, digital, um, from when I started. So, and that's been the key for, you know, as you've seen it, I'm sure, too, um, just with the growth of that area, really building more resources, um, infrastructure, equipment into that area. Nice. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's been, um, you know, as most companies do, and they should, there's uh, t uh, companies evolve, they grow, they change, they adjust. And so our staffing has kind of adjusted and grown and moved around and we've reorganized different departments um, to um, stay current and making sure that we're ahead of the trends, so to speak. And um, so I'm glad that we're, you know, not stuck um, in the old times per se. How has technology consumer facing changed the game? Um, we see it, um, let me back up. I see it a little bit more obvious with football, mm -hmm. for example. Um, how is baseball utilizing technology? Yeah, so our fans consume us in a lot more different ways now. Um, okay, let me not. Not necessarily that. Not consumable media. I'm talking about um, your in-game stats, mm. your percentages, your uh, you know mapping the strike zone. Yeah, all the different tracking measures you yeah. know, you can do now with a ball. Yeah, that's more prevalent. The, the stats, the you tracking. You couldn't do you know three or four years ago. Right. Or the fact that it's a little bit more accurate or a lot more accurate. You know what I mean? So going more that direction. Yeah. With yeah. kind of the user experience technology um, versus what media I'm getting it from. Yeah. I mean, baseball is such a statistics-driven sport anyway. There are so many different numbers available. And so, you know, we've really improved um, our analysis of, the, of all those stats, the technology aspects of it. And so I think there's kind of a debate of how much do you show to the public and how much is private info. Um, but, you know, certainly our broadcast, you see more of it. You see pitch tracking. You see balls and strikes being tracked. You see um, the velocity of how hard balls are hit. 
you see tracking of home runs, um, you know, so the, there's a lot of that in a game for sure. And it's kind of weighing um, how much you use it, how much you don't. Um, but our fans love seeing it. They want more of it. And so it's figuring out how to bring that, those statistics to light, whether it's on our broadcast or on social media. Um, Cause uh, the most part it's fans enjoy consuming all those statistics and understanding some of the feats of how fast did they run and how hard was that ball hit and how hard was that throw into home plate. And so it shows off the remarkable feats of these athletes. And so our fans just want more of it. So and it's also figuring out how to present it in a digestible way for people. Cause a lot of times it, it can get complicated. So trying to, um, you know, digest it and market it in an understandable way for our fans. Okay. It's obvious the technology has come a long way. Yeah, right. And along the same lines, let's talk about sports betting because mm-hmm. that's going to be a game changer, no pun intended. But how do how have you felt that so far, or have you? Yeah, not as much yet since it's not legal in Missouri yet. Um, we're oh, that's sur- right. Yeah, it's, it's legal Kansas. on Kansas, but that's not right. Missouri. Right. So we haven't seen it much, but we're planning that's right. for it. Yeah. So it's, and it's in the back of our minds on a daily basis. Um, Do you think that'll eventually be in stadium betting? Yes. From what I've Down read, the road. yeah. Uh, and it was I read this two years ago, and I cannot remember where, but that certain properties whether it's mgm or uh, you know name the draft name the vendor yeah they may have an exclusive on the k or the staples center or uh gha whatever you want to call it right um to where if you're gonna bet you can only bet in that stadium on that platform Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in your seat yeah um yeah we could go to that model for sure i think anything's on the table uh, I mean, there's some um, legalese that we'll need to work through. But, yeah, we're certainly, um, as soon as it becomes legal in Missouri, it'll be just a matter of hitting go for us. So we're doing all the prep work that we need to do beforehand, to whether talking to people, get ideas in place, and then hopefully soon down the road, um, sports betting does become legal in Missouri, and then we can just, um, like I said, hit go and, and talk through partnerships, figure out what's the right fit for us. Um, Isn't it, aren't we in such a really weird city when it comes to stuff like this? Where we're, we're on the state yes. line sort of thing. You yeah. know, I mean, we're just we just went through this last week with the elections with marijuana, you know, because it's now legal or yeah. going to be legal recreationally in, in Missouri. But in Kansas, it's still the 1890s. Yeah. Um, I forgot about that. So, yeah, I guess it doesn't. It's not really for you guys. Yet. Yeah, it doesn't impact. It's not for yet. Kansas City yet, right? I mean, so, we're seeing watching it on the Kansas side for sure, and what's going on there. But you're still going to have a lot of not to lay on this issue, but you're still going to have a lot of people who live in Kansas, and you probably have the metrics, the heat map, that can tell me how many people are Kansas residents at a game. But mm-hmm. th- that bet's going to be placed in Kansas. They're still going to go watch the game in right. Missouri. So. Right. Yeah, it still impacts um, us being that close to Kansas and. A lot of our fan base is on the Kansas side. So so I guess I'm going to ask it a, the same question. So you can't feel it because it's not legal yet in Missouri, but is there any way that you have felt the online fantasy um, and or not fantasy um, straight up uh, g- gambling? 
No, not necessarily. I mean, I think um, you certainly see the the hunger for it. People are interested and engaged um, with it. And you see it more on the football side than maybe the baseball side. Um, so I, I think once we're able to do something in Missouri, you know, our fans will be on board um, with it. But, um, you know, certainly we're just keeping an eye on what's going on on the Kansas side. But yeah, I, I think in general, sports betting is seen as, you know, a benefit for organizations and teams that, you know, fans are more engaged in the sport when they're able to bet on it. And so, you know, that's hopefully going to be a win-win for us. As long as we make sure that we stay, you know, we promote, um, you know, being consumer smart, um, you know, being smart with your betting, that sort of thing. So there'll be some ethical things that we do as well to make sure um, that we promote fans, you know, doing the right thing. But yeah, I, I think sports betting is certainly the next wave uh, for us, the next growth opportunity for us. In markets where sports betting is already existent or becoming existent, is that an instant or gradual increase of attendance? Correct. Almost guarantee. Uh, I'd say gradual. Is that um, a pretty, is that a guarantee though? Yeah. Yeah. I would think, I mean, not, I hate to guarantee anything, but yes, in general, yes. Um, but it's been so far gradual results on it and which is fine. Um, you know, it just takes time for consumer behaviors and habits to change over time. So I, you'll see some gradual benefits. I think once we get it. And is the logic there that I'm converting a player who is a passive or maybe active gambler and now they know that they can gamble on their game and go see it in person. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what I would guess as, yeah. a, as a gambler myself. Right, right. Um, interesting. Uh, are we up for a vote in Missouri on that? No, not yet. Okay. Yeah, it, it has. I don't know where we're at within the legislator, but I believe it's still um, stuck in legislation. Okay. I believe. Now, that would be its own. That wouldn't fall on a, any, any type of... Uh, Municipal ballot. I'm going to show my ignorance here. Yeah, that I don't know. Okay. I'm not sure. Gotcha. I don't want to misspeak on that. Gotcha. Matt, what else do you want to talk about? <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. Um, you know, I will say another big, I know we've talked a lot about sports, a big passion of mine, um, just from a passion side, is uh, working, uh, is going to art, arts events. So I, I go a lot to whether it be symphony, ballet, musicals. Um, so I really appreciate and enjoy the arts scene in Kansas City. Oh, I, cool. Um, not We're having, much... uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jeff Bentley on next week. Oh, no kidding. Oh, yeah, who we honored at our... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Award. Yeah, the ballet has been fantastic, so he'll be great. Um, so that's kind of, you know, my... I love sports and consume sports and, and do it a lot, but kind of my other side thing is is I'm not really talented in, in the arts space. I can't sing or dance or play an instrument, but I like what I say is there's a role for everybody. So my role is being a patron, being a supporter, being an advocate, being a funder. So... I Let's I, talk about art. Yeah, right. And so whether it's visual art, performance art, um, certainly enjoy. Do you collect? Uh, no, not necessarily. But I do. Uh, I do have a lot of local art in my condo. I try to support local artists. Well, so you do collect. So I do collect. Yeah, I wouldn't call myself a collector, <laughs> but uh, well, these yeah. are local. Yeah, he's local. Yeah, no, it's it's good to support local artists for sure. Who do you collect from? Oh, I don't even know. I couldn't oh, okay. tell you. <laughs> see, I don't even know if I call myself. I, you know, I'll go to First Fridays occasionally, and I'll see an art piece that I like. Or, um, so it's just kind of obviously art's a lot of matter of taste. But there's not one particular artist that I, I pursue over another. Gotcha. Yeah, I like to find artists that I enjoy, and then yeah. get you yeah. know 
a collection from them. So, sure. you know, yeah, that makes sense. get a half a dozen pieces from each artist. That yeah. way I have kind of a, you know, a little representation of their work. Like in, you know, my office here, there's two, four, five paintings from Nathan Klein. Yeah. Nice. Um, these are all his work except for three of these aren't. Yeah. Um, and one day he need, I want to have him on this podcast. He's a really great guy. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good, strong talent in Kansas City. Um, there is. There's there's a lot of great art here yeah. um, of all kinds. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a lot of great art all over, though. Um, I buy a lot of art from a woman in Sweden. True. Yeah, there's a lot of good um, art everywhere. So... But that's certainly, um, yeah, I love. So you like to, to collect art. You like to go. Yeah, to collect art. art mainly go. Symphony. Yeah, performing arts are, are key for me, and I just love, um, you know, being at a live performing arts. Obviously, hearing live music, seeing something on stage, and for me, it's just a mental break, and I get to kind of wander my head, think about a lot of different things, um, take in the music. I don't necessarily watch it with a, a critique eye or anything. I'm just there to have a good time, enjoy it. But uh, whether it be symphony or musicals or plays, um, I enjoy both the national touring things that come in and then the local pr- productions. What's the last thing you went to? Ooh. Um, oh, I went to a symphony performance. Um, actually, weirdly enough, well, I guess just in general, I was in Nashville last weekend and went to the symphony there. Um, I kind of enjoy if I go to a different city, um, checking out their symphony hall um, nice. or performance space. So I uh, went to Nashville, saw their symphony hall, saw them uh, do a performance. They did some Beethoven. Um, a really, really strong, um, good performance. Obviously, a lot of good uh, music in, in Nashville, for sure. Mm-hmm. But you know, a lot of times you think of the bars and, and the country music there, but they also have a really good um, classical uh, arts scene there, too. Nice. So... That's uh, art's another big passion of mine, and traveling. I guess uh, talking about is <laughs> just another big passion. I love to travel, and so going to different places, looking at different cultures, both internationally and abroad, um, that's a valuable, important thing for me. So I try to travel where I can. Do you have a sports or personal blog? I don't, but I should. You should. You should yeah. have like. Do you have what? I'm sure you have an Instagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it kind of like chock full of your experiences? Is it, it is more personal. It is. Oh yeah, it's chock full of my. Experiences personal. You should have like your own website. Yeah. Follow Matt Schulte.com. Right, right, right. Where's Matt.com? Yeah. I see a lot of when my friends, I see my friends, and I'm like, man, you've been to some places lately, or you've gone to this event and that event. It's well, hard to keep so up many with people, you. people, I bet. Yeah. You know, in terms of like sports. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. baseball. I mean, you, you meet a lot of baseball people. Yeah. For lack of a better term. Yeah. No, I've been um, thankful. People. Yeah. I, baseball this people. This brought or... to you by baseball people. <laughs> I, I try Le- to get ex- experiences. So I value for me experiences, which we've kind of talked about um, today. But um, I value spending my money on going to travel somewhere, seeing a sporting event, going to a concert. Um, that's about more valuable for me than going shopping or whatever to materialize something. I, I want to go out and experience things. So that's where I travel. I'll go to concerts. I'll go to the sporting events. I'll travel alone a lot on my just to go on my own beat and own time. Are you married? So, no, I'm single. Oh, so it's pretty easy. Easy for, you for me when I'm single and, and no kids and all that. So I can easily, you know, do weekend trips and spur of the moment trips and go uh, to New York for a weekend and take in musicals and sporting events and go to Carnegie Hall. And so I'll do stuff like that. Or, um, you know, it's just really valuable for me to, to go experience different places. You know, I had a, a friend of mine on the podcast, Hampton Stevens, um, who was on the podcast because he's a, he's actually in this 
distinguished writer, mm-hmm. um, and that's something I wanted to talk to him about. But uh, he had mentioned that, you know, in his profession, a writer in the early 2000s, late 90s, you kind of needed to be in a large city. My point, did being in New York afford you certain opportunities? Oh, 100%. Okay, that's what I would imagine. Yeah. Especially with these really nice internships you had. Yeah, and I mean, that's one of the reasons why I went to New York was to get those opportunities and to hear from whether it be guest speakers or professors or um, internships or uh, site visits, um, you know, was going to New York. And I, I love New York. I could see myself going back there at some point uh, and living and working um, because there are there's a lot of hustle bustle there, obviously, but there's a lot of things going on, a lot of opportunities. That was my next question. It seems like that's a given for you. Uh, to go back to New York yeah, at some point. It does. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. You. I mean, I, I've, <laughs> you I've met you three yeah. or four times. Yeah. This is the longest you and I have chatted. Mm-hmm. But it kind of seems like, you know, you're in a funnel. You're where you need to be. And that's kind of where your end destination is. Yeah. I mean, I, I went back to New York over Labor Day weekend. Um, so I was just there for a few days. But certainly going back there kind of rejuvenates me and and thinking, oh, I could go back here someday and live and work. And um, New York is the right fit for some people, but not the right for others. You know, it's a, a sensory overload. It's a lot of walking, a lot of concrete. It's, you know, it's a lot different, obviously, than than Kansas City or some other places. So it's, it's an acquired taste. But for me, I just loved it and um, really enjoyed uh, all the things that New York has to offer. Now, there are some days where I hated New York and I wanted to get the heck out of there. Um, but in general, it was a place I wanted to be and I feel like I could thrive in. So, nice. yes. Yeah. Matt, anything else you want to talk about or say? No, I think that's it. Have any shows this weekend? Any art shows? Uh, no, not this weekend. But I might always kind of look and see what what's going on at the symphony or the ballet or um, if there are any um, performances coming in. I'll even look if there's something in Lawrence to go to or um, out in Overland Park. Or um, I I joke. I feel like I'm on every uh, mailing list in town that they all have my my email and address because I get emails and uh, mailers from about every theater in Kansas City. Well, you are so. on the greater, you are the, I know, the attractions board of board. the greater So the attractions know of me, but every theater knows me as well. So they've, they've targeted me as a potential customer. And so with the good thing is I, then I become more aware of um, everything that's going on in Kansas City. So um, so I try to kind of pick and choose what I go to, but um, certainly love involved being within Kansas City, the community here, um, both on the professional side and personal side. Um, the city's obviously changed a lot in the last 10, 15 years. So, um, and hopefully, you know, sports have been a big catalyst for that, whether it be the arena downtown, uh, can't, the Royals going through it in 2014 and 2015. Um, and so hopefully we'll continue to see that with our sports teams of kind of helping evolve and grow the city. Nice. Mm-hmm. I should go dig out my 1985. Uh, yeah, there you go. World Series. It's on the other side of the building. Nice. I have it on the other side in a box. Nice. Yeah. Uh-huh. What is that? 85 what? Uh, World post- Series. World Series what? Poster? Uh, no. Uh, what do you call it? The uh, banner? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Nice. Oh, that's cool. I Were you there can... in 85? Yeah, I was. My father took me. Yeah. I, ha- I should go get that real quick. I know exactly where it is. Yeah. It's signed by somebody. I can't remember who. Okay. Nice. But yeah, my father took me. Yeah. I don't remember it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was 
extremely young. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. No, it's, um, you know, I love hearing those sort of stories and, and that we create memories for people and hearing, you know, and I did father, go to the, son. And the last World Series. We yeah. went to two yeah. games. We That's went to awesome. game. What game did we go to? We went to game two and four. Okay. Uh, no, two no. and four was on the road. I don't know. We had we had one and two, games one and two, and then games six and seven, depending on the year. Then it so. was okay. I don't remember. Yeah. But anyway, I went to two games. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, <laughs> wasn't it? I mean, it was. Yeah, it yeah. We yeah. were we sat behind the owners of the uh, of the Giants. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so those are good, good seats, seats too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So that was 2014. Then yeah, the year we lost. Yes. 2014, yeah. Yes. Yeah, we played the Giants in 2014 and then the New York Mets in 2015. So. $50 margaritas. Yeah. We need to <laughs> talk ball. to food and beverage about those. <laughs> yeah. About the $50 World Series margaritas. Yeah, yeah. There's, um, <laughs> but hey, in any sporting you event you go to, the, yeah, the cost of a beer or a hot dog or uh, chicken fingers and fries, it's, um, we're, we're trying to create more value for people, for sure, and offer. But yeah, dollar hot dog night's a good one I'm to go kidding. to. I'm all but for it. I'm all right, for $50 it. Fifty dollar margaritas. I'm all tough. for it. Hey, if you're like I said, if you're winning baseball, it doesn't matter. You'll pay anything for a margarita. Exactly. <laughs> well, Matt, let's wrap it up. Shake your hand and let's get you out of here. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you for having me. I hey, appreciate really it. Really appreciate you coming by. As yeah. always, um, I learned a ton. Yeah. Thank you. No, thank you for everything you do for the city as well. Hey, we'd love to be a part of it. Good. Thanks for listening to the Little Agency That Roars podcast. Be sure to find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on fasonipartners.com under podcast. Be sure to subscribe, be sure to like, and leave a review. If you want to submit an interview or submit yourself for an interview, please email roar at fasonipartners.com. That's R-O-A-R at fasonipartners.com. Thanks.